LinkedIn presents. Welcome to the Edge of Work podcast. I'm your host, LD. This is a podcast for leaders who want to make sense of workplace trends and are looking for new ideas about how to lead people and grow their business in a changing world of work. During each episode, I'll bring you the latest experts, researchers, founders, and leaders to share new and unique ideas, as well as actionable advice around attracting and retaining talent, developing people, and building healthy and sustainable organizations. Welcome to the Edge of Work podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the Edge of Work podcast. Today's guest is Amelia Dunlop, who is the Chief Experience Officer at Deloitte Digital, as well as an author. Amelia came on the podcast today to share some of the research that Deloitte Digital and her team at Deloitte Digital has done about uh, Generation Z and the workplace. Uh, Recently, they released a report really taking a data-driven look at some of the observations as well as the trends amongst Gen Z, as well as being able to go out and interview and really understand what folks in Gen Z, people in the workplace are wanting out of work and out of a manager or boss, as well as being able to also interview managers and bosses to understand what they think is important as well and being able to compare and contrast those two. There were definitely a number of things where there was alignment and there were also some things where there were gaps. And so during this conversation, we talked about some of the nuances there. We spent some time thinking about what managers and leaders could do to think differently in order to better manage this next generation in the workforce. And we also talked a little bit about what Amelia has learned from uh, both being around Gen Zers in terms of raising Gen Zers in her household, as well as from how Gen Zers have helped her think a little bit differently about various things in work and life. If you are thinking about or work in a workplace where you're leading a lot of folks who are early in their career or entering the workplace for the first time, I think you'll really enjoy this episode and get some tactical ideas about how you can train better managers and leaders equipped to lead early career talent in the workforce. Amelia, thank you so much for being here today. I know that there's a lot that I want to ask you about, but I want to perhaps get to know you a little bit better. So we'll start first with, you are the Chief Experience Officer at Deloitte Digital. So could you share a little bit about yourself and what the Chief Experience Officer role really means? And then perhaps, maybe as a follow-up, how do you see the world of work changing? Well, Al, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. So yes, I am the Chief Experience Officer at Deloitte Digital. And I like to say that I have my dream job, right? I get to wake up every day thinking about what would but what would it take to make the experiences of our customers, our employees, and our partners just a little bit better? Um, and so I love what I get to do. And as a part of that, I do start to do some research on topics like the human experience, like trust, and like what we're going to talk about today around Generation Z. In terms of perspectives on future work, I think we're going to get into that in just a minute. Well, Amelia, it's great to have you here. You're, you've done some research on a really important topic, which is Gen Z in the workplace. And I believe... I think the actual article title in the research was, hey, bosses, here's what Gen Z actually actually wants at work. Could you talk a little bit about some of the basics behind why you went out and did this research? And maybe as a starting point, what were some of the key findings? Absolutely. So backing up just a little bit, we set the aspiration here at Deloitte Digital to elevate the human experience. And that's actually a lot of what my my first book with the same title, Elevating Human Experience, is all about. And in that, I did a lot of research on what does it mean to feel loved and worthy when we show up at work. Um, And what I realized is we don't elevate anyone's experience generally, right? We need to understand specific lived experiences for us as individuals. And I guess about two years ago, I met a gentleman named Michael Pankowski. He was a graduating senior at my alma mater, where I led recruiting relationship we have at Deloitte Digital. 
And Michael is a member of Generation Z. And he and I got into a conversation about the work and the research he had done on his own generation. And coincidentally, I had led some research on the kind of the role of meaning and worth for my own generation, Generation X, back when I did my undergraduate thesis in college. So we got into an immediate conversation about our different respective generations. And we thought, wouldn't it be interesting if we really dove into what does Gen Z want at work? Um, And how can I, as a quote unquote boss, and as many of your listeners may be as well, really understand what their wants and needs are and how are they different from other generations that will have come in the workforce prior. And I feel like we should probably right up front, Al, just define our terms, right? So who is Generation Z? If they're walking around your offices, how would you know? So a member of Generation Z is someone who was born between 1997 and 2012. So it's about just over two and a half, so just over two decades. And so in the workforce right now, they're probably your 23 to 25 year old. So they are brand new. And one of the things that I think is distinctive about Generation Z is I like to say that every 18 year old always thinks that they have an opinion that's worth sharing. It doesn't matter what generation you are. But Generation Z is the first generation to come of age with social media and social platforms where if I have a thought, I have an idea and I have a microphone to express that thought or idea and go viral and get all the positive thumbs up and or also potentially get trolled, that this is a generation that understands the power of their voice in a way that my generation would not necessarily have. They're also distinctively the first generation to finish their schooling and start their work experiences almost entirely virtually, right? What you and I are doing right now is their normal and how they finished school and started their work. And so I also think it's particularly interesting to understand their experiences, um, which is what led to the research. I think those are the two points you made there are really interesting to point out in terms of the nuances of growing up around technology and knowing how to use it. And then also entering the workplace for workforce for at a period of time where it really is primarily has been, at least to start, virtual. Before we go even further into this, I know that particularly as the chief experience officer and given your background, you have a keen understanding of how to use research about people in an effective way. Could you talk about maybe some of the benefits of being able to study humans of different generations, as well as maybe perhaps some cautions about maybe where we don't want to overgeneralize or overstep too far, just so people can better understand how to make sense of some of the research that you've done? Yeah, no, I love it. I feel like I should start by saying, Al, I'm a data nerd at heart. Uh, so this is for all the data nerds out there. So one of the reasons that we, we do this kind of social research, the social science research, is to understand where there are trends that we can learn from, right? And we can take action. And what we did specifically in this situation was we did, a, first we did some qualitative ethnography. So we went and people like Michael, right? People who were graduating college and starting their workplace. So we went and got a sampling of about 20 of them to understand their lived experiences. From there, we created the, the quantitative study. And that was with 2,500 members of Generation Z, only in the U.S. I should add, we haven't yet done this globally. But the other thing we did is we also did a quantitative study with 600, and I say, quote unquote, bosses, right? Not every member of Generation X or Millennials or the silent generation are bosses. But what we wanted to specifically get at is what were the perceptions of other generations of Generation Z? And where might there be alignment and where might there be gaps? So I think we can use this type of social science research to to inform our hypotheses that we could then test and take action with. So as I'm looking through the report, one of the first things that I looked at was that you highlighted three main challenges for Gen Z and their bosses. And the first one was this idea of contrastic views on the importance of empathy. 
Could you talk a little bit about what you found and what the implications of the of this are for bosses when it comes to empathy in the workplace? I'm so glad you asked. So this is my favorite thing that we learned about is the fact that Generation Z ranks empathy as the second most important trait that they're looking for from their boss. And then we also know that about a third of members of Gen Z do not feel cared for and that it actually motivates them to stay and do a better job in their work. And yet, here's the thing that we learned, their bosses rank empathy a distant fifth in terms of what's important to them. So we actually, we coined the term the the empathy gap, uh, just in terms of how important empathy is to members of Generation Z and how important members of silent Generation X and or millennials kind of believe it to be. So that was one of the things that we thought was particularly interesting. And then we have hypotheses as to the why, right? And I think it goes back to what you and I were talking about earlier. The why is if you learned how to join the workforce entirely working on your own laptop in your own apartment, what does it mean to get that kind of real-time feedback such that you know whether or not you're doing a good job in the eyes of your boss? I think it's such a really great point. And I also think that there are, for a while, there have been people out there talking about how empathy can be an important thing for a boss or a leader. And what strikes me about what the being able to show the delta between what managers and bosses think versus what Gen Zers think is that it perhaps shows a disconnect. And I'm just curious if you've had any hypotheses at all about, because this idea of empathy as a boss is not new, where are we maybe falling short? And what maybe could we do or think differently about in order to perhaps help bosses and leaders come a little bit more on the journey to helping them realize that empathy can be good just in terms of not just managing Gen Zers, but also just for being a, just a good boss or leader or manager in general. I like to say that I think that kindness at work is still differentiating. And I look forward to the day when that is not the case, right, Al, where it would no longer be differentiating to, to demonstrate kindness or to, to offer empathy to each other. But fortunately or unfortunately, it is still differentiating. And I think one of the reasons that we see members of Generation Z so hungry for that is, in fact, it is much harder to demonstrate you know, more human side to leadership, a little bit more vulnerability uh, when we're operating remotely, almost primarily. And we kind of hide a little bit behind our laptops. We hide behind our screens. We don't, we're not always comfortable with our video on. And so I do think the challenge for leaders is to understand that our members of our staff and our Gen Z in particular, which actually makes up a quarter of the U.S. workforce right now, they're looking for a little bit of that human connection and that human touch. And in some ways, it's also, it's free. At a time when a lot of organizations are recognizing there's economic instability, there's a focus on productivity and, and there's uncertainty, what can we do as leaders to create a sense of connection with our employees? And particularly, we're looking for more empathy from us. So the next, I think, disconnect perhaps is this idea of divergent views on the impact of work on mental health. I know from my own experience, just even thinking back to when I started out as an employee to where I am today, just talking about mental health in the workplace has changed significantly from when I began. But I would love to know from you, what did you find when it came to what Gen Z thought about the intersection of work and mental health? And what are perhaps what can we awaken bosses to maybe perhaps think differently about or have them look at it in a new way as a result of some of your findings? Yeah, absolutely. So we found that less than half of Gen Zers say that their bosses help them maintain a healthy workload. And we should talk about that. And that 28% of Gen Zers say that they struggle with their mental health because of their boss. And what's interesting is this is even higher at 31% from members of our survey who identified as racially or ethnically diverse. 
So I think this is interesting from a couple of perspectives. One is that there's an expectation that Gen Zers want help from their boss to manage that kind of burnout and manage that healthy workload. And also that it might disproportionately be impacting members of our workforce who are identifying as racially or ethnically diverse. Is there also something in here too, perhaps that when I think about the impact that a boss might have or the impact that workload might have, I think that was true in the workplace today as it was maybe years ago, right? There's always always been the challenge of the impact of toxic bosses on their employees and perhaps even the that the as as long as we've been humans, humans have had mental health. And so I'm, wonder, I'm wondering here if there's also something you said earlier just about this idea that this is one generation in many ways who they are recognizing these things early on in their career, but they're also not perhaps afraid to, to start talking about it and sharing that more broadly versus I don't remember, at least when I joined the workforce, really having the language or the words, even if I wanted to have said something, even to do that. So is there something there just about what to that point you made earlier about just feeling empowered and having a voice and wanting to use it that perhaps is also different? Or is that too much of an overgeneralization? No, I love it. Because I think, again, we have to be a little bit skeptical with the data, right? So if we inquire in the data and said, hey, I fully agree that whether you're the silent generation, Generation X or millennial, you felt overloaded at work. Right. You've had those, time, those times where you felt stressed out or burned out at the end of a week. So what is different then about Generation Z? I think one thing I would say is different is they're much more aware of it. So to your point, they've given language to it right, around mental health issues. And they're much more demanding about their needs. Um, and you could argue, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? But in there being vocal about their needs, in some ways, it's actually going to, going to raise the bar for all of us across the, all the generations. So I think they have a way of understanding it and a and language system that is normalizing also the conversation about mental health. So the last disconnect, perhaps, is this idea of the disparate views and the importance of work to personal identity. And this was one that I really spent a lot of time reading about because it, it hits at the core, I think, of a little bit about what this podcast is about. So could you share a little bit more about what you found in terms of the different values that Gen Zers, as well as maybe their bosses place in terms of this idea of work as part of their core identity? Yeah, no, absolutely. So while 61% of Gen Zers in the workforce say that work is a significant part of their identity, that number is far greater at 86% for their bosses. And so that's, that, that's another one of those gaps that we found to be statistically significant. And as you said, we were curious about so what does it mean that if you are of an older generation, that you're identifying more with work? And we have hypotheses about that, that you might have settled into a chosen profession, right? So if you've spent the last five or 10 years in a particular profession, chances are you identify with that profession more. Chances are you might have more responsibility and more sort of senior roles. So that might you know, be why we would see that higher number at 86%. Whereas members of Generation Z, they, as I said earlier, they're really only their second or third year in the workforce, and they're really starting to kind of shape their identity in terms of how they show up at work. Now, we also know that Gen Z is the least likely generation to say that they go above and beyond what's required of them, and they're much more likely to put boundaries around when they want to be working and when they do not want to be working. And this actually is related to one of the other findings we had, that uh, when it came to the question about how do you want to be rewarded, how do you want to be recognized, Gen Zers were far more likely to rank time off as the top compensation preference, whereas bosses ranked at a distant 12th. So that's another one, Al, that we thought was interesting is that sometimes Gen Z gets a bad rap for being considered potentially lazy, but they really are much more likely to want to put a boundaries around when they're going to work and when they're not going to. 
Hey there, it's Al, and thanks for listening to the Edge of Work podcast. I wanted to take a quick break to ask you a small favor. I'm loving doing this show, and I hope you're enjoying it. Unfortunately, it's still pretty hard to spread the word on podcasts, and that's where I'd love your help. If you're enjoying this episode, I would really appreciate if you take a few minutes to leave a review and rate this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, or simply just share it on social media or with your friends. I'm incredibly grateful for your support. Thank you, and let's get back to the show. I'm curious, there's so much to dig into that one, but I would just be curious if you were able to find out just either through additional just qualitative interviews or anything else, how much of this perhaps is the fact that they are new to the workplace and just starting off and as they evolve and grow, their feelings and ideas might change versus how much if there are other perhaps factors that are really at play here that are giving them either or encouraging them to perhaps think differently or more expansively about how they view their work or their profession or their career. Does anything interesting come out of any additional qualitative conversations there? Yeah, I mean, I think, so you put your finger on it. Like, this is something we'll want to pay attention to longitudinally. Will we see that shifting over time? But I think in terms of some of the the qualitative conversations we had, it just makes sense, right? So if you're not making the social connections in your workplace, that again, you or I or many of your listeners might have made early in your career, if your social connections are still primarily your, your neighborhood, your community, or where you went to school, then you might not be transferring as much of that identity to your workplace. So I think that's one thing that is distinctive for Generation Z right now is that their social network is going to not necessarily predominantly be their work colleagues. So I know you've done all this research and that is really helpful. A lot of times I'll have conversations with companies and they'll often say, okay, we get it. We know that we need to be talking to our newest members of the workforce. We know we need to be listening to them, but what do we say or what do we ask or how do we go about finding information in a way that will help us either produce better policies, implement better processes, or really better serve them? Do you have any thoughts or advice in terms of if there are leaders out there who do want to uh, better understand what the, these newest generation of workers uh, are looking for, or perhaps wanting either out of their boss or out of their job, but perhaps maybe aren't exactly sure the best ways to go about approaching this. I would hope, Al, that any of your listeners who would be kind of reflecting on this conversation, the first thing that they would do is get curious. So all we've done today is share just a few tidbits. When we've been sitting down with my colleagues, we got really curious about what is the lived experience of members of Generation Z and how is it different than what mine might have been? I've never had to start work entirely remotely. That's not some, that's not an experience I've had. So how can I coach and mentor and lead a member of Generation Z when I actually haven't been up that hill that they are currently climbing? So I would say the first thing would be just get curious. And then the second thing would be try to understand, potentially replicate some of this research or study with your own population. So to, whether it's through ethnography and the qualitative research and or some of the quantitative research. But I think actually the final thing I would say is I'm a big believer in what I call the reverse mentoring. And as I mentioned to you at the beginning, for me, it's actually it's a funny thing for me to be in any way considered an expert on Generation Z, given that I, I do not have that lived experience. But actually partnering with Michael, who is an expert. And really learning from him uh, has something that's been really important to me. And I'm aware that as much as I have something to teach him, that he has something to teach me. So I feel like really investing in those reverse mentoring relationships is another thing that a leader can do very practically. 
So I want to go even further on this idea of leaders and managers, because your report does highlight some potential gaps in terms of where Gen Zers expect managers and leaders to be and where managers and leaders are. And maybe a way to start this off is, I'd be curious to know, what are your thoughts on, based off of what we're learning about this next generation, if we do want to have a, some managers and leaders who are better and more effective at managing this next generation of workers, what are the types of things that we should either look for or screen for, or even perhaps even start asking our managers and leaders to be able to do in order to lead this next generation of workers? I love that you asked that question. I think one of the things that we could be screening for just based on this data is empathy, right? So what are, what are your, what might be called soft skills that we're, that we would look for in our managers and leaders and also, I'm, I'm aware that, as I said earlier, that demonstrating empathy that our members of Generation Z are looking for, it is harder to do that virtually. So can we screen for some of those traits where um, individuals go out of their way to develop connection, they go out of their way to understand the lived experience of someone who's on the other side of the screen? So I think those are some of the things we could screen for. And then perhaps maybe in, in the workflow, if we think about the everyday things perhaps a manager could do, let's say I'm a first-time manager and I have some individual contributors reporting to me who are perhaps of just entering the workplace for the first time, they identify with being Gen Z. I think you said reverse mentoring is one specific option or opportunity where leaders or managers could engage these individuals. But have you seen any other, I think, tools that you could provide to a manager or other things for them to think about where they could really put those two into practice and uh, find better ways to maybe engage, better build connections with those workers or better just promote engagement of those workers in their role or in within the organization itself? Yeah. Well, one of the things that I'm aware of in terms of this in trends around the future of work is there's a huge trend, I'm sure you and your listeners are familiar with it, around productivity tracking and literally the kind of the number of organizations that are measuring keystrokes and eye contact on a screen. And for as well as things that get into either passive listening or active listening. Now, my perspective on any of these topics in terms of if you really look to grow productivity in our workforce, particularly that's remote, active listening is going to drive engagement and trust, particularly with members of Generation Z, so much more. And that's where I think investing in those types of things that create the opportunity to share and engage on employee sentiment on a regular basis. There's platforms that are emerging right now that use conversational AI and to, in the same ways that our Gen Z friends are used to expressing their opinions really rapidly across all the different platforms, whether they can also start to use their voices to express their preferences internally. And I think organizations and leaders need to start investing in that, those types of conversational platforms. So switching gears from a little bit from the tech side more to the human side, I know that you're an author and you've also written and talked in really, I think really believe in this idea of the human experience and believing in the human experience. I'm curious, as you've done this research on this study with Gen Z, as you've talked with people like Michael and perhaps maybe others, I'm wondering if there's maybe a connection here between Gen Z really helping us think about being more human in the workplace. Is that something you've ever thought about or has ever come across either just in your own thinking or just even from the conversations you've had with Michael or others for that matter? Yeah. Well, first of all, I love the idea that a younger generation would teach us to be more human at work, right? So they would teach us the value and importance of empathy and vulnerability, and they would teach us the language of mental health. They would teach us what it means to set healthy boundaries. So I love the idea that you put out there that the, uh, the younger generation would teach us that. I also love it because they are our future. 
right? And they will be increasingly taking up positions of managerial power as well as consumer purchasing power. So as we think about how the future of work is evolving, that they would be leading the way on the focus around the human experience. Maybe last question for you. I'd just be curious to for you, how has Gen Z or what you've learned from Gen Z pushed you to think differently, if at all, just about your own life or your own career? Oh, that's a great question. I think that there's a number of ways in which I feel like I've learned throughout this process. I think one of the primary things I've learned is that my perspective is only one perspective. And so I think it's given me a healthy awareness for all that I do not know. And I should mention that I live in community with three members of Generation Z. I should have mentioned that earlier, Al. So I have three children, ages 17, 15, and 13. And we all know, for those of us who are parents, your, your children can give you a different perspective. But what I mean by that is, I think I've learned that as a leader, that other voices and voices of people who do not live, look like me or have my lived experience are really important to include. So I think that's important. I think I've also learned about this idea of really flipping kind of microaggressions into microaffirmations. So I think I sometimes try to offer that very practical piece of advice. So again, a listener thinking, okay, got it. Be more empathetic. Check. <laughs> what does that mean? What does that look like? So what I try to do personally is we all know what it's like to be stressed uh, and busy and to move very rapidly through. You got to re- review a document. You got to take a look at a spreadsheet. But rather than calling out with a certain tone, the things that are shortcomings, to what extent can I just pause for just a half a second and flip the, that script a little bit to, to kind of affirm the things that are positive. You really noticed what is there that is good, offer an affirmation for that, while I'm also offering constructive uh, feedback to make something even better. So that's something that I've been aware of and learned more recently in my own practice, and I think it can actually help to demonstrate empathy. I think those are such really good points, and I do think to what you said, sometimes it can feel a little amorphous to tell someone, oh, just be more empathetic or, oh, just be more human. <laughs> but I think those are really good specific tools that someone can use to try to put that into practice a little bit more. Amelia Dunlop, the Chief Experience Officer for Deloitte Digital. Thank you so much for joining the Edge of Work podcast today. Hi, everyone. LD here. Thank you so much for listening to the Edge of Work podcast. If you like what you heard, I encourage you to share the episode with a friend, as well as to head over to Apple Podcasts to leave a review and let us know what you think. I would be forever grateful if you did that. I would also love to hear directly from you about what episodes you're listening to or any suggestions you have for how we can make it better. You can find me on LinkedIn. 